Welcome to our new season of the Reach Next Generation podcast. I'm Grace Jeffries and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking with successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they've faced throughout their careers, how they overcame them and what tips they have for girls of my age. Today, my guest is Tara Ford, who is the head of HR business partnering, sorry, partnering and DEI at our partners for our next summit, Experian. So thanks for joining me today, just, um, sorry, Tara. Can we start by you telling us all how your career took you to the role that you have now today? Thank you so much, Grace. Um, really a pleasure to talk to you about this topic. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I'll start by saying um, I'm not your typical, I don't have your typical background as I come into the corporate world. So I was somebody that grew up in um, social housing, um, didn't come from a privileged um, background financially. And so I didn't actually learn about university until I was probably already well into my teens um, when I realised that that could be an option for me. Mm. So my career kind of started off um, really stumbling from uh, subjects that I studied at school. I realised I was quite good at um, English uh, language literature. I was also quite good at communication type topics and managed to get into my A-level. So that was just by fluke, really doing OK academically. Still wasn't um, planned about going into the corporate world because I didn't really know what that was. Um, but when I then entered um, university, I studied English language and literature at university, um, I started realising that my skill set was around people and communications. So I got quite lucky after that and got into graduate schemes um, so I actually did um, some early early career pieces at Coca-Cola, which was an amazing landing spot for um, for a young woman who certainly didn't come from a privileged background. It gave me a really good foundation in the corporate world. Um, and from there, I really entered HR, which I adore, um, working in all kinds of things such as talent and succession planning, which is, a, is an area of the business where you start to ensure that the leaders are a good quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I've moved into leading big teams, um, business partnering. And uh, now I head up, as you mentioned earlier, stumble, stumble over the mouthful a bit because my, my job title is a big one. But really what that means is I, I look after um, a part of HR that partners with the business, the strategy of people um, and how we make sure we've got the right skills, uh, the right capabilities across the business. And then more recently, diversity and inclusion, which is a topic close to my heart, making sure that we have women, um, ethnic minorities, those from dis- disability backgrounds across the organisation at all levels. So that's one of my responsibilities now. So really an evolution from somebody that definitely didn't even think I'd go to university to the job I'm in now, which goes to show that you don't have to always have the answers um, from the beginning. You can keep finding your way as I did. Yeah, definitely. I think you've had quite a you know, varied career path from starting at Coca-Cola, which is such a great brand. I don't know yeah. where it was when you were in that um, couple of years ago, but um, it's such an awesome brand that I'm sure would have been awesome to work at and now an experience. So I'm sure you've yeah. learned quite a lot along the way. Absolutely. I'd say I worked for Coca-Cola um, when they were uh, sponsoring the Olympics in the UK. Uh, so I think it was sort of around 2010 time. Brilliant place to be when you were young and just starting out. Um, and then from there, I've always worked at big global organisations, which I think is quite exciting to work with different nationalities um, and learn about business from there. So you're right. I've, I've been very lucky. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're quite big on English and communications when you were at school. Um, was there any other particular subjects that you enjoyed? And 
Were you always focused on a role perhaps in communications um, throughout your, you know, your younger teen life? It's a good question. So um, I was definitely stronger at those subjects than, say, maths or science. Um, and I didn't really know what careers you could do with that because you just think it's English and maybe you could write or maybe you could be an English teacher. I didn't really realise that really a lot of business jobs are, are have core components that involve communications. A lot of people might consider marketing or, or internal communications or PR. Um, what I actually went to university to do was to be a journalist. I thought that's what I was going to do. Um, what I did realise was journalism is a really uh, tricky career to crack into, especially if you don't have a good financial background as I did, because you do not earn so much as a journalist when you first start work. So that's kind of what pushed me into the corporate world when I realised that I could get a good salary quite quickly, um, but still use my communication skills. Um, and I'd say it's, it's funny, um, my, my husband obviously listens to a lot of my work meetings because he shares the house with me and I work from home a good amount. And he just can't get over how many phone calls and how many meetings I have a day. And it's the cornerstone of my job. I'm on the phone. I'm talking to people and communicating uh, all the time, every day, uh, influencing, nudging, um, advising, recommending. So I think HR funnily has ended up being a perfect career, considering that my my subjects at school are more comms focused. Yeah, definitely. Now, I know that you went to the University of Leicester and Liverpool too. So how important do you think it actually is to go to university? Um, there's definitely, you know, apprenticeships, lots of different things that companies nowadays offers for young people. And of course, lots of people know that university isn't for everyone. Some people don't want to go. Some people maybe aren't able to go. So what would you say are your opinions on going or not going? It's such an important uh, point to raise, actually. So I'm um, I wouldn't say I'm pro uh, or a huge advocate that university is the only answer. Um, my thoughts on this is that if you feel that you um, are going to go into a professional type of industry where a degree is required, then it's 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 the perfect thing to go and do. In my case, I actually picked university for two reasons. A, I didn't know what I wanted to do yet at 18 years old. So it actually bought me time. Um, and in buying me time, I also grew up a little bit more. Um, I learned more about myself. I, I just had a chance living away from home. Um, I also had that time to, to gain more skills academically. So it was perfect for me because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And it allowed me to get that room. And I think that's a, a good reason why many people go to university. They, they, they want to get a craft, but sometimes they want to just grow a little bit more academically. And that's perfectly fine. However, on the flip side, if you are, and I've known plenty of people um, who knew exactly what they wanted to do, um, they knew there's absolutely no need to go to university. So my brother's in the military in the RAF. Um, he's had an amazing career working his way through the ranks, um, not gone to university um, and need, didn't need to go to university and still has a really fascinating career that takes him all over the world. Uh, mm. So it just goes to show that you don't need that. What I would say is that since I was studying, um, I think the world's come on so that there's lots more routes into even the professional and corporate world. Um, and again, uh, we're really big advocates at experience taking people from all different types of backgrounds and different education points. And there's plenty of people in senior roles who didn't go. And I think that's becoming more common. 
So long, long, long way of answering. No, if I don't have to go. I think for some people it's helpful. Um, but because I, I think it comes at a critical time in your life when when making those decisions can sometimes feel a bit daunting. Buying yourself a bit more time can can uh, be useful in that journey. Yeah, I think that's some great advice for you know anyone listening, however old they are. So the world, I must say, is changing so much. And quickly at the same time, too, you never really know what's going on. Um, so what do you think work for women may look like in 10 years time? And also, what do you hope it may look like? Oh, I just love that question because I've got two daughters. Um, my daughters are age three and five. So uh, they won't be in the world of work, I hope, uh, in 10 years time. But they'll be starting to make these choices through their teens and thinking about the world ahead. So I often think, what will um, the world of work look like for them uh, as they grow up? Um, what I can see that's rapidly evolving is that the workplace itself is changing. So artificial intelligence has made a big difference to the types of careers that may evolve and shift even in the next 10 years, irrespective of your gender. So I think the kind of skills economy is going to become really big, which means maybe we're not going to be looking at this sort of career ladder that we've always looked at become a doctor become a lawyer become a teacher but perhaps you'll be looking more at your skill set um, and how you might be able to trade that um, uh, with organizations and businesses in exchange for your income so that's something that I think uh, you're starting to see a lot of people call that the gig economy and I think that will grow um, but I also think that um, with the big push on diversity and inclusion that's been happening across businesses, across all sectors, public sector in the workplace, means that we have so much more flexibility. So, frankly, I would probably not be in a senior job if it wasn't for the shift in the last five to ten years on hybrid working. I mm. certainly couldn't juggle having my uh, little girls and a big job if I couldn't just sometimes work from home, uh, work flexibly and at different hours. So imagine even in the 10 years prior, that was much more strict. It's amazing that I can do that. And I think it will go even more flexibly for, for women entering the workplace in 10 years time, which just means that you've got more choices. Um, and whether you're a parent or not, whether you're planning to be or not, or whatever your life um, choice, I think we're going to have a lot more balance in it. Um, thanks to technology advancements. So those would be some of my predictions. And I hope they come true because I think we do need to make sure that we enjoy our lives as well as our professional careers. Yeah, I hope they come true as well. And I think they will. You know, 10 years saying it out loud doesn't always sound like a long period of time, but it actually is. So yeah. hopefully that buys the world enough time to make those things come true. Yeah, completely agree. And actually, if you think back 10 years, a lot's changed. So hopefully using that as a, as a benchmark, a lot more can continue to change over the next decade. Yeah, completely. So you mentioned earlier that, you know, diversity and inclusion is a subject that's quite close to your heart. So I just wanted to touch on that really quickly, because as part of our Reach Next Generation summits, we do look at diversity and opportunity for young girls from the black and minority communities. So do you think as a society we're seeing some more quality and perhaps, you know, in HR or your field of work too? It's a, um, a great point. So first of all, I'm actually from a, a mixed race, mixed black Caribbean and white background myself. Um, and also, as I mentioned earlier, um, didn't grow up uh, from a from a high social uh, mobility background. So I can start to see those. Those are some of the reasons why I'm so passionate about passionate about DEI. 
Uh, when I entered the workplace, I got a big advantage because whilst I am mixed race, I can pass for white, whereas my siblings couldn't. And I noticed we had very different experiences, uh, both at school, following school and in the workplace in terms of just the, the ease at which we entered them. Uh, what I would say in the years that have passed since, again, partly due to diversity and inclusion movements, partly due to the fact that I think we've woken up. Things that we found tolerable 10, 20 years ago, we no longer find tolerable, uh, means that we've got far more access. However, it's not it's certainly not utopia. So, for example, I do need to start having targets for DEI in different levels of the organisation. So whilst we do have more black and ethnic minority women um, across the business, we still don't see them entering always the most senior levels, which is where we're starting to focus to make sure that it's all levels of the business. We don't just want to see um, different minorities at the lower part of the organisation. We need to be accessible all the way through so that a CEO could be um, anybody uh, from any background. And, and that's the utopia that we're still trying to reach. Yeah, I think we've definitely, as you said, we've we've seen things that we used to find tolerable and now we find them intolerable. I'm sure that will keep presenting, um, you know, to us in the next couple of years but I think we're on the path that we're supposed to be on hopefully we just speed up a bit it's like right now we're walking let's see if we can get on a bus in some time completely agree and you know what that's sometimes the frustration because it's very easy to get distracted by you know the need to to make profit and the need for businesses to do what they do best which is um, which is to make sure that we're serving society but not forget that we must also uh, live our values inside the organization and be ethical and as you say just go a bit faster um would 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 be wonderful so that in 10 years time who knows who our ceos and senior leadership team could be but hopefully it represents society at large yeah hopefully it does now throughout your career and you know throughout your career path have you had any mentors or have there been anyone in particular that you've admired Oh, yeah, there's been so many people that have stood out to me in my career. I got so lucky. So two things uh, that I'll pick up on. Uh, I had a, I worked at an organisation called Agilent for seven or eight years. So that was where I really felt that I grew the most. Uh, I went from entering as a sort of mid-professional and left that organisation as a more senior professional, which has set me in good standing. Um, two reasons why that was a big success for me. Um, I had a, uh, a colleague who really um, noticed my skill set and really just accelerated my development. They didn't just mentor me, but they also championed me. And I think that's a really, really important point to make. Mentorship is one thing to help and to coach and advise. But if you almost you also have to sponsor and advocate for somebody in the organization so that they can accelerate. Uh, networks are really important in businesses and um, not everyone gets access to them because you may join from a different background. But what that mentor and sponsor did for me was make sure everybody knew I was talented in their mind, which meant that I got opportunities to be promoted and to progress. Um, and from there, I also had some brilliant managers. Um, I've got a brilliant manager now um, who, who also just make sure that um, I'm championed and sponsored and recognised for the good work that I do. Um, and those are the things that, that stand out to me um, in terms of what I admire and what I also um, try to bring into my own leadership style is uh, is people that uh, provide you with the autonomy and space. I'm a big believer that people who can succeed will. You don't need to micromanage. Uh, so you give the autonomy, you give the coaching advice, but you also give the space. 
uh, for people to actually grow into more senior roles. And that's so rewarding. And I admire leaders who can give you that level of hands off style, but also just the coaching to get the, to get it right. Yeah. I personally think, you know, mentorship is just such a great thing. Um, I think both sides of the equation gain so much, both being a mentee and a mentor, because I've definitely seen that there's a big uptake in not only the mentee learning stuff, but the mentor also from whether they're mentoring someone who's younger or older or literally whatever. I think you also gain so many, many experiences from lots of different people um so i get why it's becoming you know an increasingly good way of coaching i fully agree it's extremely rewarding um i think for any leader or mentor to see your mentee doing well and also to um to learn from them because they have a different perspective mm-hmm. is is really amazing we sometimes forget that uh, even if you're in a position of mentor um you're still learning as we always are and somebody's uh, perspective can help you to see things differently yourself so I completely agree and it's becoming much more usual language to expect that you have a mentor or mentee relationship across business which I love. Yeah definitely. Now I know that you know however old you are whatever life you live we all have busy lives so how would you say you maintain a good work-life balance and have you got any tips for the people listening? Oh, yeah. Um, So I'm a big advocate of work-life balance. I think uh, if you spoke to my team, they would tell you whilst I work really intensely and because my job is big and there are lots of demands um, placed on on me and other people across the organisation, I just will never, ever compromise on the fact that you do need to have a wider um, a wider life than work. Um, Really, one of the things I always say is, you know, if you're getting your uh, nails done or going for a run in the middle of the day I will absolutely never mind this because it's something that you've got to keep giving to yourself to sustain yourself how I personally manage it is to have a few boundaries so there are some things I block in my diary uh, around school run so I can pick my daughters up and, and and make sure that I'm still somebody they see at the school gate so I block that time even if it's in work time and I'll catch up later um, other things that I do to protect my work-life balance is make sure I prioritize exercise and being in nature so even if that's a lunchtime walk or sometimes just a coffee in the garden, uh, those can be things that help you to feel connected and grounded before I just get back onto to the work run. Uh, the final thing is I have, again, boundaries around weekends. So just making sure that my, my weekend time is my weekend time. And I try to make sure that my week is for work and my weekend is really for my family. And, uh, and you know, besides the odd peak time at work, I generally can manage that and keep that boundary in place. So I would say definitely know your boundaries, know what you do and don't like. It's taken years of experimentation and I've not always got it right. Um, and I don't always get it right. There's definitely times it swings too far the other way. But uh, but in general, um, being in touch with when you feel it's going too far and, and pulling back, it would be my advice. Yeah, I think that's some great advice. I know personally it's good to spread out, say, work that you have to do, um, not always doing all of your work on one day or maybe Mm -hmm. putting too much pressure on it and I agree it's always good to leave the weekends you know family friends just socializing meeting up with people that you maybe haven't seen for a while Mm -hmm. because it does help to break up that cycle of mainly work. Completely agree Um, and actually when we think about the mind and well-being you need to have breaks that actually means that you work more efficiently and effectively so sometimes we think we're doing the right thing by just 
focusing on work solidly. But actually, you need breaks so that when you come back, sometimes you actually just smash through tons of work in a few hours uh, where it may have taken you days before because you were just exhausted. So I love the way you're describing that with the space. Yeah. So hypothetically, in whatever world, just like literally up to you, if you could work with three people day to day, just pick any three people. It can be a celebrity. It can be mm. Beyonce. It's very much up to you. Who would you choose and why? Oh, that's a tough one. Because as soon as you say Beyonce, that is who I'm starting to think of. Because I did go to see <laughs> her in concert this year and she toured in the UK. <laughs> but I, only because it would be amazing to have her singing or something in the background whilst we're, whilst I'm working. Um, you know, what? I think I have to say I, I work with some amazing people at Experian and have worked with amazing people in, in past careers. So there's no um, there's no names I'm going to pick out from my career piece because I think I do love and adore working with everybody, particularly in my team. Um, so if I was to if I was to pick, maybe it would be more for a break. Celebrities like Beyonce. I might even pick family members like my husband, because sometimes we are so busy parenting and um, working that maybe uh, to spend a day working together might be more like a date for us. So those would be the random people that I would choose more to take myself um, away from uh, work for a few hours. Uh, at work, though, I would say that HR colleagues are always the best. Yeah, I'm going to be a bit biased there and say happy <laughs> to work with anyone in my my HR squad for a day. <laughs> so finally, what would you say are your non-negotiables? So just the things that you don't compromise on, in, you know, both personally and professionally. And is there perhaps a phrase or quotation that you really like or goes with one of those kind of day mottos? Um, yeah, I'm quite firm about some of those non-negotiables. Again, coming back to what I mentioned earlier about having boundaries on your time. When it comes to work, it's a couple of things. So I, I believe in autonomy first and I would trust before I don't trust. So we say that. So I yeah. trust people have the best intentions at work. Um, I trust that um, professionally we're all trying to do the right thing. Um, and that's the, the um, belief system I always go in with, with relationships first. Um, but I also believe in high performance. So uh, I trust that we're all trying to deliver and do our best. And it's non-negotiable, certainly in our world, that we are um, not all trying to help and collaborate across our team in a high performance type of culture. So first, so those are the, the some of the boundaries I would uh, put in place at work. Non-negotiable in a broader sense, non-negotiable that I can be a, a good parent as well as a, a, a good employee and a good leader. Um, and to make sure that um, work is realistic, uh, has to, you know, it, it's realistic that I can achieve and deliver within those boundaries is really key, both at home and at work. Um, finally, I think when it comes to it, to some non-negotiables, it's that you have fun and enjoy it. Um, we sometimes forget it gets very serious sometimes at work and it can get really serious, um, you know, e- even at home sometimes when we've got a lot of pressure, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, but to have fun and enjoy. So I really try in my team that we that we laugh, that we socialize, that we spend time together connecting as humans. Uh, that's non-negotiable to me because everybody that you work with or you go to school with or that you interact with has a story and a background and their own set of uh, pressures going on in their minds. So it's important that you can have fun and connect on a human level. Yeah, I think there's some great non-negotiables to have. Definitely like boundaries such as you know, always trusting people before you don't and stuff like that. I think it helps keep you fairly grounded, which is quite nice. Agree, fully agree.
Well, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today, Tara. Thank you so, so much. And I'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they're about to make in their careers and future too. So keep listening to the Reach Next Generation podcasts as they talk to many more brilliant women. More details about us and our upcoming summit will be at reachnextgeneration.com. And a big thank you to Experian again for being one of our sponsors this year. Thank you so much. Thank you to our partners and sponsors, Experian, Barclays, Domestic in General, Staffline and the Ardonna Group.